Welcome to the Real Film Nerds Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting, rousing, incredible, amazing, stupendous episode of the Real Film Nerds Podcast. I am your host, as always, Mr. Matt Hinshaw. And with me, my good buddy, my groom to my best man, Mysterious Mike. Hey, everybody. So, Mike, let's say this Twinkie represents the normal amount of psychokinetic energy in the New York area. According to this morning sample, it would be a Twinkie 35 feet long, weighing approximately 600 pounds. Man, that's a lot of uh, extra uh, paranormal activity. Damn it, you dropped the ball, Mike. You dropped the ball. You are not a true fan. You should know the line. Oh, sorry. Come on. Ernie Hudson, a.k.a. Uh, Winston Zedmore, says, while he's smoking, that's a big Twinkie. Oh, you're right. You're right. I'm a bad fan. So, all right, folks, we're talking about an incredible, awesome, amazing, comedic film from the early 80s when I was three years old. The original Ghostbusters. Mike, go for it. Give us a rundown. All right. Uh, so, like Matt said, uh, we're reviewing uh, Ghostbusters uh, from 1984. Uh, it was directed by Ivan Rittman. Uh, writers, uh, Dan Aykroyd. Harold Ramis, and an uncredited Rick Moranis. Uh, it's starring Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver, Harold Ramis, Rick Moranis, Annie Potts, and Ernie Hudson. And the synopsis for this movie is three former parapsychology professors set up shop as a unique ghost removal service. I don't want to correct you, but I'm going to do it anyways. It's Ivan Reitman. Oh, sorry, man. It's okay. We'll leave it in there. It's no big deal. I don't think that one dude that yelled at me for correcting you and saying, why didn't he get it right, is going to listen to this one. So we're fine. Okay. Unless you pay him. I'm not going to pay him shit. I don't have any money. Oh, okay. All right. Well, then, nope. He's not going to review it. This can be the possibly the shortest podcast we've ever done because... I can just tell you this is the best movie ever, and if you have not seen it, you might as well just stop listening now and go watch it. Because I love Ghostbusters. Probably second to Star Wars. Probably. I, I don't know. Whoa. I got a lot of other films. Whoa, 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 wow. Second. I got a lot of other films out there in this world that I do enjoy, but Ghostbusters is definitely up there close to the Star Wars realm for me. Yeah, no, I, I, I really like this movie, too. Like, I've always loved this movie. It's it's just incredible. So, on that note, I actually looked up a fair share of trivia, not a ton, but uh, so we'll discuss the trivia as it pops up. But, uh, uh, so, Mike, um, let's do it. Uh, I, I don't know if we should say we're going to discuss spoilers in this because this movie is so old, and I think just about... Everybody and their mom has seen it at least once, if not five times or a hundred times like us. Yeah, and so if, 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 you, if you haven't seen it, you stop the podcast and go watch it. 
It's on, um, was it on Netflix? Which one did I watch it on? Amazon Prime, I believe. Yeah, Prime Prime Video. Watch it on Prime Video. If you don't have Prime Video, you need to have Prime. Go. Yeah, the first one and the second one, I believe, are on Prime Video right now streaming. So, go watch it on Prime Video. So, thanks for that, Mike. But yeah, so let's not worry about even doing a spoilers. We'll just talk about it. Because it's this movie is incredible. I love it to death. The whole thing. It's so good. Yeah, and this movie almost didn't happen. There was all kinds of weird things that almost didn't happen. Like, Bill Murray was such a huge um, draw at this time when this movie was being made that when he said yes to be in the movie, they weren't really sure if he was going to show up until he actually showed up. Well, and speaking about Bill Murray, a little trivia about it is 90% of Bill Murray's lines in the film are improvised. He kind of came in and almost refused to go by the script that Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis wrote. And on top of that, um, Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis literally were writing a lot of the movie as they were shooting it. Oh, wow. No, that I didn't know that. Um, I did know that they had uh, kind of penciled in uh, Jim Belushi to be in it, but um, yeah, that that didn't work out. John Belushi. John. Oh, damn it. John. Sorry. Close. Yes. Originally, John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd wrote this film. Dan Aykroyd was going to play the character that he played. Um, see, now I'm thinking and I freaking forgot the name. Damn it. Ray uh, Stance. Yes. So Dr. Dan Aykroyd was. Stance. Yeah. Dan Aykroyd was always going to play Ray. And then. Uh, originally, John Belushi was going to play Dr. Peter Venkman, and he was going to be a little bit different than how Bill Murray played him. But as everyone knows, John Belushi passed in the 70s? Or was it the early 80s? Uh, I'm not 100% sure when he passed. Um, hold on, I'll, I'll look. Okay, go look it up, because I can't type in. It'll make loud noise. So, anyways... John Belushi was supposed to play the original Peter Venkman. And also, here's one that you probably don't know either, Mike, is that um, Louis Tully, the character that Rick Moranis played, was originally going to be John Candy. But John Candy wanted it to be a German neighbor that had like a pair of schnauzers or Rottweilers or something. And he wanted to develop this character, and he was really hell-bent on having this German accent and having these dogs. And Dan Aykroyd and Ivan Reitman and Harold Ramis thought that that was too many dogs for the movie, and they didn't like the idea of John Candy having a German accent. And so they couldn't come to an agreement, and so John Candy left the film. And they brought in Rick Moranis, which Rick Moranis killed it at Louis Tully. He just did such an amazing job. Yeah, no, that that that's awesome. Uh, just to get back real quick on John Belushi, uh, he passed away on March fifth, nineteen eighty two. He was thirty three years old, so it was right around when they were going to start, I think, filming this or at least doing some production stuff. Yeah, probably they were probably doing pre production at that point. Yep, and so he passed like literally like right before they were going to do it. And so I don't know if you know this one either, Mike. The uh, ghost in Ghostbuster that they first run into, 
that the fans affectionately dubbed Slimer, but his name on set was Onion Head. I don't know if you knew that. No, I didn't know that. I always thought of him as Slimer, but that's probably because we saw it much later after the everyone had made up the name. Right, and the reason why they named him Slimer is because he slimes uh, Peter Vankman in the hallway, and so the fans just nicknamed him Slimer. Well, Ghostbusters, for the cartoon, got the naming rights of Slimer, and hence the name Slimer for then on. And so, um, but they always called him Onion Head because the theory behind uh, the Slimer character is that he's always eating and he's always gorging himself, and so he smells. And one of the gags that they originally had in the movie that they didn't shoot or film or whatever, but they were going to have some people notice this smell, this really bad smell, and then Slimer was going to appear. But it was never shot and it was left out. Oh, but anyways, I didn't know that. I actually did not know that. Um, so Slimer is actually Dan Aykroyd's tribute to John Belushi. Oh, okay. If you pay attention, specifically when John Belushi, uh, his role as Bluto in Animal House, in Animal House, John Belushi is always gorging himself on food and booze and everything. And so Slimer does that exact same thing. Like when you first run into him, he's gorging himself with the food off the tray. And then when they go to the banquet room, they run into Slimer and he's at the bar and his head is tilted all the way back, chugging an entire bottle of booze, just like John Belushi in Animal House. Oh, yeah. Didn't he have like a big bottle of Jack Daniels, I think, in the in the movie? I think it was Jack Daniels, or it was some kind of hard liquor, and he chugged the whole thing, and that was the gag in Animal House. Right. But so, that was Dan Aykroyd's tribute to John Belushi. So, from now on, whenever you see Slimer, think of it as John Belushi's ghost. Oh, okay. I will. See, I told you, I got some trivia, man. I got some good trivia. Yeah, yeah, and man, oh, I just, I love this movie. Like, I could watch this movie. I, I try to watch this movie every fall season. You know, it's just such a great, great movie. It's so well done. It's so funny. It's it's just good. It still stands up quite a bit, too, to this day. A lot of the effects, well, not a lot. Most of the effects are practical, and the ones that are of, like, Slimer and the other ghosts, I honestly have no idea how they do that. I, I have no idea how they do it. But they've done it for years in films. I'm not sure if they take, like, a negative and put it over a negative, like sandwich negatives or something. But it's still believable to me. Yeah, no, it it, it still looks pretty good. And then the... um. You know that that the card scene and the with the books and stuff like in the library, the pretty much the opening scene of the movie. The opening scene in that place that kids don't know what exists and those weird things that are all on the shelves. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. The library, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. I forgot the kids don't know what libraries are. Yeah, they don't. You mean Wikipedia? Yeah. And like when you say who are you gonna call. They'd be like, why are they using these phones? Why are they using those things with cords? Yeah, no joke. 
Anyway, uh, yeah, at the library, like, I thought those, those scenes, they still look so good. I, I don't even know exactly how they did the book stuff and the floating books and the, the card. I think the card thing, they, they, they use, like, a pressure. Yeah, it like, had to have been, like, compressed air or something. Yeah, I think they said something about that, but I, I don't know how they did the book thing. I don't know, dude. It's still so fantastic. Now, speaking of that scene, I know trivia about that whole scene where they first, you know, are down there going down there. These, you know, I saw Ghostbusters at a young age because I was a huge fan of the cartoon. I mean, I'm talking young. I probably the first time I saw Ghostbusters was probably five, six, seven years old. And until I was probably now I'm going to get slammed for this, but I'm going to say it anyways, until I was probably in high school. I really had a hard time watching the scene with the librarian when she screams at uh, Peter Venkman and Raymond Stance and Egon. And, you know, she goes from being a normal looking ghost to this horrific monster. I could I always had to close my eyes during that part. It always scared the hell out of me as a kid. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Always. I I always had to turn away. Always. Because it was so scary and realistic to me. All right. That's cool. Did you ever play the video game? The Ghostbusters video game on 360? Yes, actually, I did. And it was fantastic. It was a great video game. I had a lot of fun playing it. It was like Ghostbusters 3. Yeah, it, that's exactly what it is. And you know who wrote that video game, right? I believe it was Harold Ramis. Harold Ramis and Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. Wrote the video game. And that's why it's so good and why it ties in specifically more to the first one, but it also ties into the second one as well. And that's why it's so good because if they would have done a Ghostbusters three, according to them, that's what they would have wanted to do. Yeah, no, it was fun. It was like a big, uh, big bowl of nostalgia and I just loved it. Yeah. It was so good. So those of you who don't know, go play it. It's, you could probably find it for 10 bucks on, the Xbox store, or you probably could pick it up at, you know, GameStop or, you know, whatever used game store you got or eBay or whatever. It is so good, especially if you love Ghostbusters. It is, it is a must play. It's a single player only, but it is a blast. I loved it. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I thought it was a lot of fun too. And, you know, rest in peace, Harold Ramis. Uh, but, uh, you know that that was uh that was awesome that was awesome thing that they made all right i got one last one for the whole library scene of trivia the part where dan Aykroyd and bill murray and harold ramus are walking past the bookcase and it falls over and almost crushes them yeah that was not planned that was just like an accident? Like, was somebody walking uh, offset and like pushed it? There was a production guy on the other side of that wall or hit a floorboard or something and walked like past it and it felt, came tumbling down. And Harold Ramis, not Harold Ramis, um, well, I guess Harold Ramis too, but Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray have a little chat there when it falls over and that was completely off the cuff. They did not jump. They did not you know, freak out. They just kept rolling and it ended up in the movie. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Pretty cool. 
Yeah, I, I I really think uh, this movie was just it was it was just fun. It it was like a fun movie. The the soundtrack's good. The the I don't know, just everything about it just flows really well. And uh, I mean, when you read about it, it's like a disaster of a movie that barely got made, and like you're just like, what? It seems like it was awesome, but now they, uh, you know, I guess all the production stuff was was uh you know a lot more than they thought it was going to be i i think it was just it was a big undertaking as much as i love bill murray as an actor he is an absolute dick a lot of the times and that was one of the reasons why this movie had such a hard time during production because he refused to read the script he refused to learn his lines he you know it still worked bill murray is freaking incredible but he really rubbed a lot of people the wrong way including his friends dan Aykroyd and harold ramus and rick moranis you know yeah well i like like i said at this time i guess he was just so big and i think his ego was huge and um i don't know they didn't know if he was going to show up i couldn't believe like okay we're gonna start filming hopefully hopefully he shows up all right so i got one more for trivia Discussing big actors of the 80s, the character of Winston Zeddemore, played by Ernie Hudson, was originally supposed to be a much, much, much larger part. He was supposed to be part of the Ghostbusters from the start, but a certain high-profile, big-named actor that got the highest-grossing film of the year of 1984 Above Ghostbusters was originally supposed to play him. Mike, do you know who that was? Uh, higher grossing movie. Um, Eddie Murphy, B- Beverly Hills Cop. Nailed it. The only movie that beat out Ghostbusters that year for uh, gross was Beverly Hills Cop. And originally the part was written for Eddie Murphy but Eddie Murphy turned it down to film Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't even know that. Um, I was just guessing. I was like, oh, it's a big movie in 1984. Uh." (laughs) Yeah, dude, you nailed it. That's exactly what it is. And so they got Ernie Hudson, who did a fabulous job, but it went from more of a being one of the main four guys to three guys, and then they add Ernie Hudson for the last third of the film yeah yeah it was a yeah it was about a third i would say maybe half but you're right it's probably about a third enough of me chatting and spouting off trivia because as most of you could tell i absolutely love this movie and mike and i were even having a discussion after our last podcast recording session about the different toys and ghostbusters toys and cartoon shows and things that we had growing up as kids but uh anyways mike to get on topic and keep our wonderful tradition alive. How does Ghostbusters from 1984 relate to the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Well, Matt, thanks for asking. Uh, this one was a little bit difficult uh, due to it being a little bit older movie, but I was able to find that... Um, uh, in the art department, uh, Brent 
Boats uh, worked uh, on Ghostbusters, and he also worked on Captain America, the first Avenger. Nice. Nice. See, I figured you would have done, like, um, something that's kind of MCU related, but not, but is, but isn't. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, Are you talking about, like, an older Spider-Man or something like that? Or what what are we talking about? No. Sigourney Weaver is the villain in Daredevil and Defenders. Oh. On Netflix. Okay. Yeah, I I didn't do that. I guess I could have. See, but I don't... I, I think... I don't know if they've officially said that the Netflix universe of shows kind of falls into the MCU or not. I know they're related, but I don't know if they consider it part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, I think they do. So maybe I should have gone for Sigourney Weaver. Well, anyway. No, dude, you nailed it. And you got a direct link instead of doing a little hopping around. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yes. Confidence. You nailed it. Nailed it. So, Mike, you know uh, Sigourney Weaver was a real big name. And they were afraid they were not going to be able to nail her down for this movie. Because of what? Uh, The movie Alien? Yep. They really, really wanted Sigourney Weaver. And... The instant they asked her if she would play the role, they weren't sure she was going to be able to do it comedically, but they were going to give her the role pretty much no matter what, but she came in and they still made her um, try out for it. Oh, really? Even though they, yep. they, they pretty much knew that they were going to choose her, they still made her audition, huh? Yeah, they pretty much wrote it for her, but they still made her audition just to make sure that she could do it comedically they were afraid that she was going to be too serious and too action oriented from her recent film of alien oh okay all right so i can sit here and spout off trivia all day long mike let's let's start talking about the movie itself more than just the trivia okay um i just i enjoy the kind of uh adventure and the fun of this movie because uh, it starts off a little bit, little bit scary with the library thing, but then it kind of gets goofy with Bill Murray's like, um, what was he doing? Like a some kind of um, psycho? Uh, uh, what do you tell? Yeah, yeah, like uh, yeah, ESP kind of test. And even when the guy gets it right, <laughs> he gets it right once. He uh, doesn't show him the card and electrocutes him anyway. You gotta love that character, man. And Bill Murray played him so well, even though Bill Murray was a you know absolute pain in the ass, but just fantastic. They all just did such a good job. Yeah, it's it seemed like there was such chemistry, like when they were. Um, it seemed like they were friends um, when they were doing things, and you know, like Harold Ramis is being very like analytical. And Ray's saying something that's kind of scientific, and then then Bill Murray says something that's like, ah, "You never studied." Like, <laughs> well, I always saw it as like the the three main guys. I I hate to leave out Ernie Hudson, but the three main guys. Bill Murray is like the extreme on one end. He's the game show host. He's the Joker. He's the trickster. He's trying to get laid all the time. He didn't study. He was the raging alcoholic in school. Then you have. 
Harold Ramis's character, Egon Spengler, who doesn't even crack a smile through 99% of this movie. He's all business. He's all study. He's all, you know, notes. And then you have Dan Aykroyd's character of Raymond Stance kind of in the middle. He's a little bit of Egon and he's a little bit of Peter Venkman kind of put together, but he's his own thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. That's how I've always kind of thought of it. You know, he's the like he's the happy medium between the two extremes. Yeah. All right. I I, I concur with that. I think that's a fair assessment. But it, it just it just works so well. And even like the um um oh the secretary played by uh Ann Potts. Oh, what's her name? Um, Annie Potts. Yeah. Well, Annie Potts. But what's uh what's the the secretary's the, the character's name? Oh, Janine. Yeah, Janine. Oh, sorry about the bug eyes thing, Janine. Like, it's yeah. just, it, there's just like all these little like one one off like things that are, 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 I don't know, just funny. Like, there's just little, little things here and there. Oh, yeah, dude. Some of the interactions with Janine and uh, Bill Murray's character, Peter Vakeman, are just hilarious. Like, you know, like I think right after that line about the bug eyes thing or something, she was like, uh, I've quit better jobs than this. Yeah, yeah. And then there was another one where Bill Murray, I think it was Bill Murray, it might have been someone else, I think it was Bill Murray, was saying, you know, how um, uh, something about, I'm sure you'll do fine in either the food service or house cleaning industries. <laughs> nice, nice. Like he says that to her face. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh. I mean, th- now, there's so many good scenes, man, when, like, they're in jail and, like, all the prisoners are, like, interested in their, like, their blueprints, which I don't know how they would have got them into the, the jail sale, but it doesn't matter. It's a movie. It's fine. And, you know, they're, like, going over everything. Everybody's really interested. Yeah. Everyone in the jail cell stops what they're doing and crowds around the table. That's so good. It's just fun. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Mike, do you watch any of the uh, Big Bang Theory or Young Sheldon? I have seen a few episodes, but I'm ashamed to say that I'm not very familiar with with uh, either of the shows. I mean, I kind wow, I, I know blasphemy. Yeah, blasphemy. I'm a bad person. Well, here's one that I didn't realize until uh, I think halfway through the first season of Young Sheldon, but. Young Sheldon, well, okay, Sheldon in Big Bang Theory is always talking about his Mima. You never see her, you never, you know, witness her existence because I think she passed, and his Mima is his grandma. And he always calls her Mima, even at the ripe old age of 30, whatever he's supposed to be in the show. Now, in Young Sheldon, they cast Annie Potts as Young Sheldon's Mima, and she has just exploded off of that role she has been brought to the mainstream because she is so good as young sheldon's grandma it is hilarious nice no i didn't i didn't know she was in uh young sheldon so that's that's cool that's that's awesome if even if you don't watch the full big bang theory the young sheldon is it's completely different than big bang theory it is so funny because um annie potts Potts is Mima. Mima is kind of the opposite of Sheldon. She likes to drink. 
She likes to party. She likes to hook up with different men. And she's like supposed to be in her 70s or 80s. I think 70s probably. And she's just living it up. And Sheldon just idolizes her. And she's the exact opposite of Sheldon. It's so, so good. Oh, okay. All right. I love it. Anyways, not to get too off topic, but I really love Annie Potts in that role. She is so good. And I didn't even recognize her. Not till later. Because they, you know, they do the makeup really well on her and all kinds of stuff. So she has a Texas twang and, you know. Okay. Well, um. One thing that I noticed in this movie, and I've seen this movie so many times, and that I hadn't seen before, was during the scene uh, when Sigourney Weaver's uh, character gets home and the eggs uh, start cooking on the counter, and then um, the fridge opens and is like, Zool! Um, She has a bag of... Stay Puff marshmallows. You've never noticed that I before. I never noticed that before. Oh dude, yeah, I, dude, that's I, what I, helps I, so much. I know, and you know? it's kind of like foreshadowing. But you would have already had to have seen the movie to know that that was foreshadowing. Right, right. You'd have to really be paying attention because who the hell would pay attention to a bag of groceries on a kitchen table? Right. Espe- but yeah, that's especially when the eggs are you know exploding. Yeah, and cooking themselves. Yeah. But yeah, that's uh, that's totally an Easter egg that's in the film. Yeah, I didn't notice it. I felt like an idiot. I was like, I've never seen that before. All these times seeing the movie, so I thought that was something neat, and I, I would share it. But uh, I, I did just watch the movie for the the podcast to make sure I was up to date with all the, the things that are Ghostbusters. Now, do you want to know a really fascinating? I guess you would say Easter egg, but it's more of a cameo. And I don't know if it was intentional or if it was, uh, it had to have been intentional because he was cast in, as an extra, but I'm not sure how big he, of a name he was at this time. But do you know that there is a porn star in Ghostbusters? <laughs> no, but is it Ron Jeremy? Of course it's Ron Jeremy. Where Where is the, he at? The scene where they're getting, it's towards the end of the film. When they're getting ready to go into the apartment uh, building and do the whole final kind of, you know, battle against Zool and all that stuff. Oh, okay. So, like, all of New York is, like, cheering them on, right? Like, they're right. like, we're here. Right. We're ready. Um, behind one of the barricades is Ron Jeremy. Oh. And not, like, far back. Like, he's right up front. Okay. And he's on the left-hand side of the screen. All right. For those of you who want to look. But it's uh, it's a very young Ron Jeremy. Interesting. That is interesting, Matt. Man, you've got all kinds of trivia. Man, you really, you really, I know you love this movie. So this is all probably just stuff you know off the top of your head. Seriously, it is. I don't have any notes. Come on. Yeah. No, that's, that, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, all right, Mike, I can sit here and talk about how incredible this movie is all freaking day. You know, just the the acting was so good. The sets are incredible. Like, going back to that scene, when the earth is, like, cracking and coming apart and, like, it's lifting up. And, I mean, they have, you know, lifting up cars and the car, the police cars falling into the crater. And, I mean, that's all practical effects, you know? 
And they didn't have that big of a budget to do this movie. Like, originally, Dan Aykroyd wanted a much bigger budget. And that's why he ended up writing this story as an origin story of the Ghostbusters instead of what he really wanted to do. Oh, because he didn't have the budget to do a, a more, like, established... Yeah, well, it's... Uh, it, I can go into it a little bit. Um, I don't want to get too crazy about it, but I'll go into it a little bit. Uh, Dan Aykroyd originally wanted the Ghostbusters to start out like how Ghostbusters 2 starts out, where Dan Aykroyd and someone else is these washed up Ghostbusters that are just exhausted and beat down, and they have been fighting ghosts for a long time, and they were going to have multiple different things, and they thought of the Ghostbusters more like a service, like the police department or fire department. And so there were going to be ghostbusters in every single town. And then they were going to have ghostbusters in space. And then also the ghostbusters would time travel at the same time. And so that was the original idea for this movie was that it was going to be 20 or 30 years after the start of the ghostbusters or maybe 10 or 15. I don't know. They don't say exactly a number. But they were going to be well-established and do all these different things. And basically, Ivan Reitman looked at the script and looked at Dan Aykroyd and said, if you want to do this, this is a $300 million budget. And remember, this is 1984. Yeah, that's crazy money. Then Dan Aykroyd went, okay, we'll have to fix that. (laughs) And so Ivan Reitman was the one that actually suggested why not we make it an origin story? And so that's how it started. And that was literally in pre-production. So that's why they didn't get a whole lot of writing done (laughs) other than when they were actually filming it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like it looks like uh, the budget. I was just looking that up just to see what it was. It was about $30 million and this is estimated, but I mean, that's still a lot of money back then. That's a lot of money. Right. It was around, uh, I think it was around 31 million. If you round up, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but the the gross for it, according to IMDb, uh, is uh, $291 million. So they, they did all right. Yeah, and if you, uh, was it, I think if you adjust it for inflation, it's really somewhere around like half a million. You mean half a billion? Yeah, 500, 500 million? Yeah, it's like half a billion. Yeah, sorry. I thought, I was thinking more than that. My bad, sorry. Yeah, all right. All right, so. Yes, you're right. Half a billion dollars. Around $500 million is approximately what it is in today's money. So if it was made today, it would be a huge blockbuster. Yeah, huge success. There's not very many movies that make over $500 million that aren't Marvel. Basically. And so uh, I guess that leads me into what I like to discuss on the Legacy cast. But we already know the answer because they did it. You know, could this movie be made today? And the answer is yes, it was remade today. And I know you hate it. Yes, I I didn't like it very much. I I had a hard time with it. And I didn't think it was terrible. The 2016 Ghostbusters that starred the uh, four ladies, I thought was decent. But you got to understand, and I explained this to people that asked me, after I saw it, what I thought of it. And I said, well, if you go into it thinking about the other two Ghostbusters films, 
you're going to hate it. But if you go into it thinking that the other two Ghostbuster films didn't exist and this is a completely separate story, it's its own thing, it's its own standalone movie, then it's not bad. It's not anything fantastic, but it's not bad. Okay. You're you're less harsh, but I do have a hard time separating the original ones from that one. And every time they come out with these remakes of movies that I liked when the originals, I do have a bit of a hard time watching them. I, I understand, especially since there was so much hype around it. And until they announced that it was basically a remake, the whole theory was that it wasn't a remake that it was going to be kind of a sequel, but a modern-day sequel, and all the female Ghostbusters were going to be the daughters of the original Ghostbusters, and then Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd and everyone else was going to make cameos with their daughters, but that is not what they did, and that really upset the public, including myself. I think if they would have done it as a sequel, it would have been a hell of a lot more fun, and they could have done a lot more with it instead of trying to stick to even though they did it very loosely to the original they could have done whatever they wanted whatever they wanted yeah you know like uh, especially one of the things that upsets me the most in the 2016 one i mean there's a couple things but the number one is they don't have the firehouse that firehouse is freaking iconic to that movie iconic to the original ghostbusters yeah and then the second one is how they can't just leave it alone as proton packs. They have proton grenades, pro proton whips, proton this, proton that. I'm sure there was, you know, some some kind of proton for freaking everything. Yeah. And it's like, why? The proton packs are perfect. Why do you need to change it that much? And I hated that. Yeah. Well, uh, on that note, Matt, do you want to uh, do you want to give your rating, or do you want me to give my rating first? Yeah, you're probably right. We probably shouldn't uh, sit here and talk about the 2016 one. We should probably just hurry up and get to our ratings. Oh God, I just thought another piece of trivia. Okay. Speaking of the firehouse, um, you know the firehouse is a real fire working firehouse in New York. And they only shot exteriors there. The whole inside set of Ghostbusters was in L.A., I think. I'm pretty sure. Do you know what other movie used that set? The inside of the firehouse. Uh, Backdraft? No. Dang. Good guess, though. It is a 90s movie. It was the auto mechanic shop in Jim Carrey's The Mask. Dang. All right. Okay. See, I, I know way too much trivia on this shit. <laughs> yeah. No, you do. I'm surprised I've got a couple of those ones right, man. Those are all off the top of my head. You have. You've nailed it, dude. I'm impressed. I'm really, really, really impressed. All right. So... I guess I'll go ahead and give my rating first. And like I said in the last pod, if you know me even a little bit, you know what I'm going to give this movie. And that is my very first 
Drum roll. Five reels out of five. I love this freaking movie. Whoa. Five reels out of five. My first ever. I know you've already done one. And that was, of course, on one of your favorite movies of all time. Jaws. It's true. It's true. All right. So, Mysterious Mike, how many reels do you give the 1984 original Ghostbusters? I, too, love this movie a lot, but I'm not going to quite give it the five five reels. I'm going to give it four and a half reels. I do love it a lot, but I don't know. I, I don't give out the five reels lightly. Jesus, Mike, I don't know if we could be friends anymore. This is ridiculous. Four and a half reels. Yes. Yes, four and a half. You must see this movie if you have not. It's I. why you're listening to our podcast. Yeah, you should be listening to the movie and watching it. I I just love this movie. I understand, man. I did the exact same thing with Jaws. I love Jaws to death, but I only gave it four and a half, if I remember right. Yeah, I believe that is correct. I think it was something like that. It was either four or four and a half, but you didn't quite give it the the uh, the five. I know, man. I know. I'm sorry. All right, well... On that note, folks, uh, Mike, do you want to tell them why we did Ghostbusters at this particular time of the year and why we didn't do it any earlier? Um, is it... I, uh, I'm actually not 100% sure why. Because You're it's not fall? 100% sure why. Well, Mike... Oh, it was... The, oh, go ahead. There was a reason. Hold on. Dang it. It's an anniversary. It's because... No, no, no. I don't think it's the anniversary. No, I think it was done in... Uh, yeah, it was released. It was a summer blockbuster. It was June 10th, 1984. Okay. Damn. No, um, the one of the reasons why I... And I'm the one that picked this movie for us, for those of you who are curious. One of the reasons why I wanted to do this film, and specifically now in the month of September, is that we're gearing up for our first Harvest Horror Fest. Oh, Okay. And so, yes, Ghostbusters isn't a horror movie, but I do consider it kind of a fall Halloween-ish movie just based on the material. And so I figured it would be a fun little thing to do to start getting us towards that mindset of the horror movies and the superstitious and... Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, this is a fun... I, yeah, it's not really a horror movie. I don't even know what they classified as. I guess a comedy or... Big time comedy. Yeah. Big time comedy. Okay. No, I just feel that this is a good fall Halloween-ish kind of movie, and we're getting there, you know, and we got to get it, our listeners ready for our first, you know, Harvest... Oh, I forgot the name already. Harvest Horror Fest. Harvest Horror, Horror Fest. Fest. Yeah. yeah. So I figured this was kind of a fun one. Yeah, no, this is a fun one. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't I didn't actually know why. I was like, uh, you just said to watch it. <laughs> well, that and it's a freaking awesome movie and I love it. Yeah. Anywho. Alright, Mike. Well, uh, what are we gonna be doing next week? Uh good question. Good question. I'm not even sure what comes out next week. Is there anything? Oh yeah, there is, sir. Oh and it, dang I'm it. kind of I'm kind of looking forward to it, and I'm kind of not, especially with all the most recent controversy surrounding it. 
Oh, Especially with them yeah. the predator. cutting the damn thing. Right. Right. Exactly. Nailed it. Especially with them cutting it literally the week it comes out. They cut a part out of it. Yeah, but I guess he was a child toucher or something. Sex offender. I don't know. I haven't read the stories. I really don't care. I think he was a kitty Honestly. toucher. But um, the the guy was the director's friend. I don't know, man. Shane Black. Yeah, yeah. I, I I don't know. They, uh, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Let's save that yeah. for next week. I'll, I'll sit down. I will read some of those articles before the movie so we can d- discuss it. But I just, I just really didn't. I don't care. I want to concentrate on the movie. I don't want to hear about the bullshit that goes around it. Now, I don't condone a sex offender, especially a sex offender like that, being in a film. But what if you're one of these guys that gets nailed pissing in public and you get a registered sex offender for that? Does that mean you shouldn't be able to do your job anymore because you fucked up and you were drunk and you pissed on someone's car in the middle of the street in, you know, downtown Atlanta, Georgia or something? Yeah. No. No. I don't think that. I don't, I, I don't think this particular situation was one of those, though. No, it probably wasn't because there it's quite a deal going on right now. But so that's the plan is to go see Predators, the latest installment in the new Predator films, or I'm not sure no, where it falls. It's called The Predator. Um, Predators oh, was, was the, the one Predators? that was released uh, a few years ago with uh, Adrian Brody. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You're right. Yeah, you're right. So it's The Predator. Yes. Okay. And so we'll probably do that next week. And then, uh, I don't know, uh, I know you, did you get to go see The Nun this weekend? No, not yet. I was thinking about going to see it, but I didn't get to see it. Well, do you want to do that uh, next week for our second one? Or do you want to do, like, another horror-ish kind of movie ramping up to our, you know, big shindig in October? I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll have to we'll have to talk it over and figure it out. May, maybe maybe we can do something. Cause I haven't I I really try and stay away from the reviews, especially before I see something. But I know the nun. Uh, the little bit of that I've heard about it is that uh, it's not the best movie, and it's I believe in the Conjuring series. Yeah, it's the Conjuring universe. Yes, which I don't think I've seen any of them. Oh, those are good. It's mainly not the best story and they don't really explain the nun really but it has a whole bunch of jump scares that are kind of fun okay so i don't know mike we'll discuss it if not you know let's try and do uh maybe a a horror tributary okay yeah yeah all right i think uh i think we can find something i know if that one movie's still on there maybe i can um Oh, I'm trying to think of it. It's like, it's like Dale versus Evil. Oh yes, I never saw that. Is that good? Oh, it's hilarious. Uh, oh, it's yes. great. Oh, I don't oh, know. I don't know. Fun. I don't know if that's on. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Just ex- folks, expect another horror Halloween-ish themed kind of tributary or legacy cast for next Thursday. As we ramp up for our Harvest Horror Fest, which we got some really great, great horror movies we're going to be talking about. So make sure and tune in. It's going to be a lot of fun. 
I'm looking forward to it. And I'm not even really a horror movie guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, I'm I'm always I'm super excited because I and I love horror movies. So um, I'm just excited to talk about all these different movies. Um, I might even do a solo pod. I don't know. Do it, man. Just make sure and keep to our format. You're gonna have to do the MCU for sure. You have to. We got to keep it going, buddy. All right, all right. I, I, I think I'll work that in. Or if I if I watch a movie, I'll make sure that there's an MCU tie. Well, yeah. Make sure before you go and see it. <laughs> yeah. I think that's cheating. That's <laughs> cheating, Mike. I don't know, man. Is it? <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know. I've never looked it up before I went and saw a movie. I, I don't base the movies I see on the MCU. But hey, maybe we should. <laughs> All right, Mike. Well, I don't really have anything else to talk about other than go see Ghostbusters and make sure and tune in for the Horror Fest because it's going to be cool. Yeah. Yep. Um, And uh, with that, uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, This was a fun one. Sorry, it's a little long. Thank you for listening to The Real Film Nerds. Now, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Real Film Nerds. Now, go out and catch a movie.